Major Laser, Major Laser, Major Laser, Major Laser, Major Laser, Major Laser, Major Laser. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Harmonics Podcast. We're here, we're not going away. Although most of us have gone away. There's only two of us yeah, here. It's not a good promise, Pope. It's, it's just me and Aaron, Aaron and me. But there's a third. But there is another. Uh, we well, Joe's actually, always here. Well, Joe's here. We never talk about Joe. We always talk about Joe. Sitting and watching from behind. Uh, but we have a special guest. As, uh, as we've done over the past uh, few months, we've piped in from the interweb our friends. Maybe the most special guest we've ever had. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, it depends on your definition of special, <laughs> but I oh. think you're correct. <laughs> uh, who we have Mr. Dan Reichert, uh, renowned oh. renowned author and uh, 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 of, of the venerable book series Air Force Gator. <laughs> And yes, also yes. a uh, writer for Game Informer magazine. That is correct. Dan, welcome. Hey, it's good to be here. Good to talk to you guys. Yeah. So we figured we'd have you on uh, timely, timely enough, timely-ish. Um, <laughs> you've just uh, released a new book, so I figured we'd talk about your books first, and then we can get into video game stuff. How's I can that do sound? that. That sounds great. Cool. So Air Force Gator. Walk us through this. Walk us. How did you get from zero to Air Force Gator? <laughs> um, it's predictably stupid. Um, I, I don't know. Like you guys, we, we mostly talk on Twitter, so maybe you don't see this side of me. But I'm really bad at mishearing things in really dumb ways, and uh, that's also my dad has always done this. My grandpa has always done this. Um, quick anecdote: I remember going through a McDonald's drive-through as a kid with my grandpa. And I asked him if they wanted to supersize his fries. And he screamed at them, circumcise my fries. <laughs> so this is a genetic thing of mishearing things in dumb ways. Incredible. Uh, and basically, I was just sitting at work. And uh, Joe Juba, uh, one, of, uh, one of our writers, our reviews editor, he said something about Tony Hawk's pro skater. And I wasn't paying attention to him. I was, like, writing a review or something. And for some damn reason, I thought he said Air Force Gator. <laughs> I turned around, I was like, Air Force Gator? Like, what the hell are you talking about? And he said, I said Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And then we just kind of started talking, and it was just this brief, dumb thing of like, you know, we were saying like, oh, that'd be funny, you know, an, an alligator that joins the Air Force and whatever. <laughs> and then I just, we just forgot about it for months. And then it was last September, I was on a eight-hour bus ride to Kansas City for my friend's wedding. And I can never, ever fall asleep on, on cars or buses or planes or anything. And so my brilliant plan was the bus didn't leave until midnight. So I was going to go to the bar near the bus stop at first. And I was just going to get just face drunk and drunk enough where I can just pass out when I get on the bus. And I was like, well, this is, this is foolproof. I'll get up early in the morning and I'll go out and I'll get drunk and it'll be midnight. And, you know, that'll be good sleeping time anyway. And so I'm just trying so damn hard. I'm super drunk on the bus. I'm on some Greyhound going through Iowa. It's pitch black. It's just there's crazy people all around me. Like, it's just, it's, it's hell. And uh, I, I still can't sleep. I, I can't do it. And I was really drunk, and I just decided, like, you know what? I got time to kill here. I'm not going to sleep. 
Um, and so I just pulled out my phone and I started taking notes. And I was like, I'm just going to write Air Force Gator. I'm just going to come up with the plot of like a full novel for Air Force Gator. And actually, I think the thought was at the time was like, it was kind of just like a prank idea of like, I wanted people to think I was joking when I tweeted out like, oh, hey, I wrote a book called Air Force Gator. I wanted them to think like, oh, that's that's a weird thing to say, but then have an Amazon link and they could click it and be like, holy, shit, this is an actual book I can buy. And then so, I mean, that's basically how it started. I was drunk on a bus and I couldn't sleep and I, I just took a bunch of notes and a couple months later it was done. Notes on your phone, though. Like that's that's going to be the least efficient way to start <laughs> writing anything. Well, just the, the basic beats of the, the story. And the first book was actually really pretty short. And so, I mean, I, I was able to just kind of get the basic beats and characters uh, on my phone. And then over the next couple months, I actually fleshed it out and Word and everything. So so the first half of that story sounds Hemingway-ish. <laughs> <laughs> Except I don't think he wrote any stories about Air Force Gators. No, I mean, you, but you, I wonder you replace if... a, an, an ambulance in Spain with, yeah. you know, a Greyhound bus to Kansas. That's... <laughs> I wonder how many of his stories were done as as a goof in the <laughs> yeah. same way as yours. That's pretty incredible. I, I uh, cannot imagine uh, being uh, intoxicated and having the wherewithal to come up with like an actual plot to a story that makes any sense at all. Well, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Oh, okay, that's, okay. That's what's great is that I don't have to worry about that shit because it's a stupid plot and a stupid book, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> Self-published, so I don't have anyone telling me, like, oh, hey, this doesn't make any goddamn sense or he didn't explain this. And seriously, like, I'm not kidding. I'd say 80 to 90% of both books have been written while I was, like, super drunk. <laughs> I mean, that's how I do it. Like, I said, like, all of two pretty much. I would just like block off like a Friday night and just take my laptop to the bar across the street, which I moved so my apartment would be closer, like walking distance to my favorite bars. So I just walk across the street with my laptop and I just drink all night and I write this dumb shit. But then the next time I do it, I forgot everything that I wrote. So I have to read the book every time I start writing. I, I would tell a normal person that these all seem like poor life choices, <laughs> but it seems to be working out in spades for you. Yeah. Very happy with how this has all gone down. <laughs> That's, that's the epitaph on the tombstone for Dan right there. <laughs> All right. T walk, walk us through the plot of Air Force Gator 1. Uh, one, again, is much shorter. Um, it's The only books I ever really read were Goosebumps books. So I just wanted it to be pretty much like the length of a Goosebumps book. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, the first one in the first chapter, uh, he rips Bin Laden's <laughs> off and he throws it against the wall and then he blows him up. Um, but basically... The, the prologue sets up that he's just this, like, super alcoholic, pill-popping uh, whoremonger. Like, he wakes up with some whore in some, uh, you know, highway hotel in the prologue. And, uh, like he wakes a, hu up on a human or another gator? Oh, he sleeps with human ladies. Okay, all right, sure. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so he wakes up on September 11, 2001, uh, super hungover. He's just surrounded by, you know, empty bottles of Old Crow and beer. And there's this hooker in his bed, and he doesn't remember her name. And the TV's on, and he sees, you know, the 9-11, the terrorist attack. And he's just like, oh, God. Like, he used to be in the Air Force. He was kind of like a military brat because his grandpa was this military hero in World War II. But he, uh, he got kicked out and stuff, and he was an alcoholic. And basically, his life's gone to complete And 9-11 uh, kind of reinvigorates him and gives him some purpose. And he decides he's going to kind of clean his act up and get back in the Air Force. And he basically gets back in. He, you know, basically builds his reputation up again. 
uh, kills Bin Laden incredibly violently uh, right away in the first chapter. And, uh, yeah, the first one, the basic plot is his former partner, who is a, a crocodile, uh, is now uh, an evil crocodile. And he wants to basically have this reptilian agenda to basically, long story short, bomb the country with this chemical agent that makes reptiles evolve and kills humans. Okay. So uh, that's the first one. He sets up, it's basically like The Rock. He sets up like an offshore base, like an outer heaven type of thing. And Air Force Gator has to kill him. Um, now that, so must, yeah, that must present uh, a conundrum for Air Force Gator being a reptile himself. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, it, it, that's all covered. Uh, that, that's covered. Yeah, his, his internal morality questions here. <laughs> More so on the second one. The second one is kind of a deeper dive into all this stuff. I, you know, I really like the first one a lot. I am very happy with it. But uh, I, I, you know, just from the criticisms I got or whatever, you know, most people seem to love it. But people said they wanted it to be longer and dumber. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, there's some dumb that happens in the first book for sure. But I kind of realized with the inherent silliness of the plot that I didn't really go as far as I, I could have. So the second one is just way stupider. And it's uh, significantly longer. Uh, the first one was 24,000 words, and the second one's 34,000. So, um, yeah, the second one I'm, I'm very, very, very happy with. All right, let's get into part two then. Give us, give us the rundown on this one. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's like eight years after the, incidents of, uh, the incident in the first one uh, on Crocodile Rock. That's the name of the evil <laughs> outer heaven base. And uh, basically... A bunch of reptiles have evolved, thanks to what happened in the first one, but they tried to move to New Orleans, and society is kind of shunning them because, you know, this crocodile tried to do this terrorist attack, and everyone's kind of like, you know, it's basically like racism towards crocodiles and sure. alligators. And uh, so they're struggling, they're trying to, like, earn a living, you know, the, the honest way and everything, and uh, America's just not having it. So they ba basically, this evil, charismatic pig farmer comes down from Tennessee, a human, and he basically uh, radicalizes them. And so, like, all of these crocodiles and alligators and a turtle um, that have basically, you know, haven't been able to find work or anything, they basically latch onto this charismatic, almost cult leader. And they basically become, like, this criminal... Uh, they call themselves the Sons of Gustav. And Gustav was the bad crocodile from the first one. Sure. And, um, yeah, it's just this huge crime ring. They're basically kind of turned into terrorists and criminals. And uh, Gator has become this legend because he saved the United States in the first one. And so Obama basically uh, sets up on the National Mall. He basically announces Air Force Gator Day. And so Air Force Gator comes out, and he's flexing and stuff, and he's dating, like, a super hot stripper now, and she, like, flashes him and shakes her around, you know, ceremony. And, uh, you know, Gator's around, and he starts, like, bench-pressing John Kerry over his head and, you know, really just hamming it up. Like, ZZ Top's playing at the ceremony. Like, it's just stupidest uh, so yeah, Air Force Gator Day is supposed to be like this big happy day, and he announces his retirement. Uh, but then the pig farmer and the evil, the sons of Gustav, kind of crash it, and uh, a huge terrorist attack goes down pretty early in the book, and things get very personal very quick with uh, Gator. Um, if you see the cover of the second book, you'll kind of you know it's pretty obvious what happens there, and uh, just a, a bunch of shit goes down, and Gator and his friends, and Obama's a character in the book. Joe Biden's a character in the book. Um, he was really fun to write for. Uh, yeah, like Gator and Biden, like when we first introduced Gator, they're drinking 40s of Mickey's at the foot of the Lincoln Memorial. And, you know, Biden's like, oh, I bet you're going to get a bunch of strange tonight, you know, a bunch of those chicks out in the crowd. And Gator's like, no, I'm settled down now. I got my hot stripper girlfriend. Everything's fine. I'm not that old Gator, you know. Like the old Gator would have been, you know, in those chicks. But, yeah, it's... Uh, 
Yeah, he's got his hot stripper girlfriend. She's got a gator bait tattoo or tramp stamp. Um, you know, they basically just sit around and get drunk and watch Commando together, and he's got a good thing going on, and then it all goes to shit pretty quick, thanks to these uh, the sons of Gustav. Dan, I'm getting a terrifying inkling that you're basing a lot of this on your own life. <laughs> there are a lot of influences. Um, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of weird what you know. Like, like, you're clearly Air Force Gator. Joe Biden is your dad. Actually, I think uh, Gators may be more my dad. I've never been too big on, uh, you know, the strippers, you know. Uh, okay. My, my dad is the aficionado of the, uh, the, 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 the ladies that, uh, you know, at the strip clubs. But, uh, no, I, I am a nice guy. I've got a girlfriend. Uh, my dad's more of the, you know, strip club guy. So maybe a little <laughs> more of him and Gator. Now, I don't, I don't know if this is maybe uh, broaching a subject that, uh, that we shouldn't touch on. Oh, let's get into it. But I have heard from a reliable source that Air Force Gator is based on one Jose Canseco. Um, I don't think that's a reliable source because I think you heard that from Jose Canseco. <laughs> that confirmed, yes. yes he, he's far from Jose a reliable Canseco. source. <laughs> yeah, that that's a whole weird thing. I mean, obviously you've seen that play out on Twitter. Uh, that was a, as much of a shock to me as everyone else. I mean, I did not, I was not trolling him on Twitter for any reason other than the fact that I think he's a dip. <laughs> and... Then he offered to write the forward. Like, I right. didn't even bring up my book around him. He must have just looked at my, my Twitter bio and stuff where it says that I wrote Air Force Gator. And, yeah, it just started with him being like, oh, how many copies of that did he sell? Like, I'm a New York Times bestseller. And it's like, okay, if you want to go down this path, I'll, I'll certainly do this. And he just offered to write the forward. And I, I kept bringing it up, and I kept bringing it up, and put me in touch with his agent. And I kept expecting some weird thing to happen where he's like, okay, well, Jose wants $10,000 for the forward. And obviously, I'm not going to pay him. Um, but then he just like one day I just woke up in uh, Boston. I was there for PAX East. I woke up and I checked my email and I was like, holy, <laughs> he just sent me the forward. <laughs> and I really didn't expect that. Um, and so, yeah, you've seen it now. I've got him on the cover. I put his picture on the back of the book. His forwards in there. Uh, it's weird as <laughs> to me. Yeah. Had he actually read the book when he wrote the forward? I don't think i mean i would be surprised i um i mean he brings up some like specific plot points from the first one uh in the forward but i mean it's nothing that you wouldn't be able to surmise by just you know reading like a quick uh a rundown or anything it's, it's pretty broad strokes so i don't know I, I i don't understand anything about that guy maybe he read it maybe he didn't I just skim the cliff notes i'm sure oh, you know jose i don't care about that because i got a guy i actually like kevin nash has been sending me direct messages and it, kevin nash owns Air Force Gator 1 and 2, and that makes me so goddamn happy. <laughs> like he owned them independently of you? No. Oh. No, no, no. He it just started this weird thing where I started. I don't even remember how me and him started talking. Like I made fun of him. He said something kind of dumb on, on Twitter or something, and I said something. And he starts responding to me, and he was like making fun of me and stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, I would have thought a guy holding a fart sign would have been funny when I was in sixth grade, but, you know, not now. And then... I, I think I tweeted something like, oh, crap, like, I'd like to start a Twitter war with Kevin Nash, but you know what? I grew up as a big diesel mark, so I don't know if I can really do this. I don't want to make fun of him. <laughs> and then he followed me and starts DMing me. Wow. And he starts asking me about Air Force Gator and stuff, and he tweeted about Air Force Gator. And, like, so we actually were, like, DMing, like, this one night back and forth for a while. Like, he was talking about how he was a big Siphon Filter fan. Um, like... <laughs> Just weird stuff like that, and so yeah, I, I sent him a couple copies of the book. So I'm I'm pretty happy that my one of my childhood favorite wrestlers has my book. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. insane. You have sort of a knack for getting yourself into these situations, and I don't know how you do it. It's 
been happening far before even Game Informer and stuff. Hell, I mean, I believe, uh, Eric, you, uh, from what I heard, you said, f*** you, Dan Reichert, during your PAX East <laughs> um, <laughs> panel because truth. of a little something I did before I was even a Game Informer. So <laughs> true. Uh, that was <laughs> not confined to the last few years. Speaking of that, you want to set the record straight there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I've been obviously very open to all you guys about it. I'm friends with a lot of harmonics people. I mean, it's it's not a secret. Um, I don't know who even remembers this anymore, uh, but it was a, a thing back in like E3 of 07 or 08 when you guys announced uh, Chinese Democracy. You guys were going to have uh, Shackler's Revenge, one of the first uh, the, the first track to come out from Chinese Democracy, which was a big deal. And uh, me and my friend were big Guns N' Roses fans, and we were really looking forward to the album. And we were on this message board, and like Guns N' Roses, like you go on YouTube comments or video game forums or anything, and obviously it's just the worst conversations anyone could ever have, and everyone's just awful. And take that times a million, and you have a Guns N' Roses message board. <laughs> it's it's unreal how terrible it is. And I just wanted to fuck with these people, basically. So that was the thing, is that this thing, this prank I did at E3 was meant to fuck with these Guns N' Roses idiots, and it wound up kind of fucking with you guys, and like sounds like John Drake, maybe specifically. Um, but yeah, basically I just had my friend pretend to work at Harmonix. Like, we were at E3... I was there with my old college site. This is before Game Informer or anything. Like I wouldn't dare pull anything out, you know, like this now. But uh, yeah, so I made it look like I was just some dude filming at the harmonics booth, and I started asking this guy questions about like, oh, what else can you tell us about the album? Like, what's what's going on? When's it coming out? Is it really happening? And so basically, we we scripted this whole thing out to where he said it was going to be like a four disc album, and they were going to play the VMAs and all this stuff, and just these crazy things. And of course, I just posted the YouTube video to the Guns N' Roses message board. And they lost their goddamn minds because <laughs> tons of people had done pranks before to this Guns N' Roses message board. Like, oh, look at this paper on Best Buy heading that says, oh, we need to be ready for Chinese Democracy's release on this fake date. And, I mean, if anybody could, you know, put a logo on a thing and print it out. But I like to get a little more elaborate with my pranks. And <laughs> I, I mean, you, you guys remember the video. It was pretty damn believable. Yeah, yes. And the guy, your friend, happened to look a lot like... <laughs> An employee at Harmonix, which didn't help the, the problem. Yeah, to the point where people are, like, posting side-by-side -side photo yep. comparisons. Like, look at his beard length. It could obviously be him. <laughs> with two red-haired guys with beards. Yeah. And uh, your guy actually had to post a picture with a sign saying, like, hey, I'm not this dude. Like, <laughs> So, basically, yeah, John Drake was putting out fires for a while. And I, I felt really bad because, I mean, I my rule has always been I will f*** with everything except for, you know, I don't where I eat, so I don't like to with the video game industry. Uh -huh. I, you know, I take that very seriously and I take my job seriously, but I wanted to with the Guns N' Roses board and so I felt really bad that I with people in the industry I was going into. Um, but yeah, I remember I, I was doing the Bombcast a few years ago and I told like Drake and Alex Navarro who was there at the time and I told them and I could tell like they thought it was really funny, but also they just wanted to beat the shit out of me. <laughs> Yeah, I was there and I was laughing because at the time I wasn't on the community team, so I didn't have this visceral response. But Dra <laughs> Drake, you could just tell was stewing all night. That's great. That's, yeah. He needs that. He needs he needs to stew on something anytime anyway. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, for the record, yes, that was me. You guys all know that, but yeah, I can say that publicly. Yeah, and you're you're uh You've got done quite a few pranks. You've uh, the one that you pranked your dad with. I thought was really water good. Cuts. Yeah, water, yeah. So you're a fan uh, of the pranks, are you? Yeah, uh, I think I almost got sued by George Brett, the baseball player, several wow, years ago. What? Uh, <laughs> if, if you've seen the video of him talking at length about how often he poops his pants, um, 
I, I was the one who put that on the internet, and uh, they found out it was me pretty quick. And George Brett was not happy with me, but uh, wound up not getting sued because he probably realized I don't have any goddamn money. So, but actually, if you look in GQ magazine, I think it's this most recent one. It lists the 50 most hilarious things to ever hit the internet, and it's like number 35. Oh my god! If you guys haven't seen it, search for like George Brett poop pants, and like they're really good at stamping it out. But it's like cockroaches. I mean, it, it keeps popping up. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm sure there's an active link right now. Like one will pop up, get a few million hits, and then get pulled down. So. Uh, yeah, that was me. That was before Game Informer too. So I, there's an oh. article written only two months ago about this. About the George Brett thing? Yep, totalfratmove.com <laughs> has a whole article about it. That sounds like me. Uh, I'm gonna bookmark that site. <laughs> this is amazing. Well, hit, hit us with some other uh, pranks you've done. Tell tell them about the dad one. Your dad one was pretty good. The dad one, that's on YouTube. If you search for, like, April Fool's dad, uh, you'll probably find it. It's I put, like, I think it was, like, 500 or 800 cups of water um, all through his hallway that he had to go through to get to work. And so that just took him a long time to get out. And he does not like pranks at all. He's not a prankster. He uh, So he just he hated it. So it's, if you want to watch my dad in a bathrobe try to navigate a hallway filled with hundreds of cups of water, it, uh, Do I? it's... Pretty funny. Um, there's also the OK Cupid prank that I, I talked about at length on the Bombcast a few years ago. I think if you search YouTube for like Dan Riker dating site prank, you'll uh, you'll get that whole thing. Uh, I was very drunk when I told that. I remember that, but uh, I think I went into detail with that. But I don't know. Just um, it, it has only backfired on me once, really. I uh, I used to just destroy my mom's house when I was a kid for April Fools. Like just. Everything would be screwed up. Just dumb things like unplugging the TVs or switching batteries out or making it so the cereal falls out of the box when you pull it out of the shelf. Like, just dumb shit, like, you know. So I remember I, uh, I put a bunch of bananas in her oven for some damn reason. I mean, I was like 14. I mean, it's, these are dumb, uninspired pranks. But she didn't know they were in there, and she preheated the oven, and all the bananas just completely melted. Um, and so the whole house just smelled like goddamn bananas for like two weeks. <laughs> Um, so I, I went to the school that day and I was like, oh, mom's going to have to deal with all this crap. And I'm walking to my locker between classes and keep in mind, this is junior high and I'm just socially awkward and shy and nervous about everything anyway. And I start seeing there's all this shit all over someone's locker. And I was like, man, that's really close to my locker. What is that? And I get closer and I realize my mom had gone to my junior high with a bunch of like just the most embarrassing photos from being a little kid, like you know me like as a like two year old like a dumb little sailor suit, or me like naked in the bath or whatever when I was a little <laughs> kid, like dumb toddler pictures pasted all over my locker. Oh my god! And I'm just like, oh my god, are you kidding me? So take them down real quick. I go home and she's emptied out my bank account and turned it all into pennies and nickels. Oh. I had and it's all over my floor. And I was like, okay, well I guess I'm not with mom anymore. Wow. I guess. I guess I'll focus on Paul Reichert for this. That's Dude. incredible. Oh, yeah. Oh, my that's, God. That's so a, a family of pranksters. Uh, certainly I get that from my mom, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've also enjoyed your videos of you, you uh, forcing your sister to do the cinnamon thing. Oh, or when she had to puke up all the milk or... Uh, uh, yeah, there, there's a whole bunch of... My YouTube page is just a whole bunch of yeah, horse Yeah, I crap. feel like <laughs> if people follow you on Twitter, it's like getting a, a view into this world that's like semi-real, semi-unbelievable world that, that you live in. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I like it a lot. You just you just went on vacation with your dad to New Orleans, is that right? Uh, I how, did, yes. How'd that go? Oh, uh, uh, a whole lot of stuff happened there. Wow. Um, 
Did you kill somebody? <laughs> no, he was. Uh, he really liked New Orleans a lot. Um, <laughs> there was a, cops were called at times. Really, uh, they've been missing at times. Um, but yeah, a lot of yeah. <laughs> he really enjoyed a lot of what New Orleans has to offer. So I won't. Uh, <laughs> I won't out him too much of what happened there. But it was. It was a wild trip. <laughs> My God. Uh, all right. Well, back to Air Force Gator. Uh, <laughs> On, on a serious note, uh, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> no one's ever said that. Yeah. No one's ever said back to Air Force Gator on a serious <laughs> note. So you did. You mentioned you published this yourself, and I think that's kind of interesting because I'm seeing seeing friends uh, doing this on Twitter. A lot of friends who are writers trying to just get their work out there and not having to go through a traditional publisher. Uh, right. What's the actual process you had to do? You had to find like a printer, I assume, or, or does does Amazon do it for you or what? It is remarkably easy. Like I would have done this so much longer ago if I even knew this was an option. Um, but yeah, one of our writers, Ben Reeves, wrote a book, like an actual book, a serious one that he'd worked on for years. And uh, I was asking him about it. And it's a company Amazon runs called Create Space. And basically, all you do is you write it up in Word. I mean, if you want to, you can pay them to like have professional, you know, like formatters and people like make sure it's formatted right with page numbers and blah blah blah. Or, you know, with me, I just want to do everything myself. So um, I wrote it all, I formatted it all. Um, I basically send them a, a finished word file. I send them the cover art. You know, you find the guidelines for the cover, or whatever. You send them a PDF or whatever. And I mean, it's not much more complicated than that. I mean, you have to fill out some like book descriptions. You set a price. You say what regions you want to sell it in. But it's not like, you know, they have a warehouse of, you know, I don't have to pay for them to, like, have hundreds of books in a warehouse and then I have to sell a certain amount to make money. They just print them as they're ordered. So it's like, I just send them the stuff. I don't pay them any. It doesn't cost anything. You know, the only thing I have to pay is I have to pay the cover artist, which he does an amazing job. So give him a few hundred bucks. And then Amazon, uh, you know, I sell the book for 10 bucks. They take, uh, for print, they take about 7 bucks and they give me 3 bucks. And... That's it. I, I don't have to pay any money to set that up. They just pay me as they get bought. Uh, Kindle, you know, I get seven bucks for each one, so that's even better. Wow. Um, it's just, it's a sweet deal. I mean, I don't have to deal with anything. I just, they're on Amazon forever now. I don't have to worry about any, anything. I just, I just get the money straight from them. I don't have to manage anything. Uh, I don't have to order more stuff for a warehouse. It's, it's really a fantastic system. And you can choose like soft cover, hard cover, stuff like that. You know, I haven't seen any options for that. I think it's pretty much paperback and Kindle. Um, but, I mean, the, the print quality has been pretty good. I've been happy with that. Um, their customer support's always been very, very handy, both, you know, if you're buying the book or if I'm, you know, publishing it. Um, I just can't say enough good things about it. I think it's a very fair thing for authors. It's a very easy way to get your stuff out there. And did you uh, hire someone to edit the book, or or did you have someone else do that that you knew? Or you know, I... I I grab a couple people I know, like with this one, it's a uh, game former writer, Brian Vore and my girlfriend. And, uh, you know, they read it. Uh, they, they give me notes and stuff and I take them out for beers and chicken wings afterwards. So <laughs> chicken wings, I assume with the bone in, uh, actually I, I prefer boneless, but they're both fantastic. <laughs> wow. Diplomatic, right? less, less diplomatic than your Twitter persona. No, no, yeah, that's that's a different guy. Hope was ready to start something. <laughs> yeah, I like to reach across the aisle in real life. <laughs> I like to think together we created something pretty special on Twitter that day. I don't know what the hell that was about. It was trending across <laughs> the entire country and the yeah. UK. 
And then KFC sent a load of boneless chicken to Game Informer, and the colonel, the colonel tweeted about uh, the colonel, like it's the real guy. <laughs> no, they, the KFC colonel, like official K- KFC account, was tweeting about the book, and they gave me a quote for the back cover of the book, and like I actually wrote in a few boneless chicken references after all that. Like all of a sudden, Air Force Gator loves boneless chicken. <laughs> so this is a way I think that you're also revolutionizing publishing. That you're getting like <laughs> you're getting uh, promotions to give you. Sh- and then you just write them into your book. Like, I'm sure in the next one, we'll see Kevin Nash eating boneless wings. Yeah, yeah. On top of Alex Navarro or something. <laughs> yeah, we can work that out, probably. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Uh, good luck with the Air Force Gator. Uh, Thank you. I don't think you need it. I think it uh, <laughs> sells itself. <laughs> uh, but now I figured we'd move on while we still have you. Um, because you do actually work for Game Informer. You do have a real job. In your yep. in your spare time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in between books. We're creeping up right now on... The E3 convention, which is the big deal uh, of the year. Most of the games, most of the games that are worth their salt are announced. Uh, but this year we've also got two consoles uh, coming out, uh, which is going to take up a huge share of the uh, information load. Uh, what, are you, what are you thinking coming into E3 2013? And which console should I buy? Well, I mean, obviously that's going to be a clearer answer after E3 is done with, because um, I think there's still just a lot of unanswered questions going on right now. I, I, I don't know if anyone knows anything about, like, the used game situation with Sony or Microsoft. You know, like, they, there haven't been a lot of direct answers, and I'm hoping it's kind of a clearer picture after the press conferences. Right now, based on what I've seen, I'm more excited about Sony. And um, that's interesting to me because... This generation, I've typically gravitated towards 360 for multi-platform stuff because most of my friends play multiplayer on there. You know, I've spent a lot of time getting stupid achievements and stuff. Like, I've been more tied to 360 this generation, even though I love my PS3 too. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, it really rubs me the wrong way the way Microsoft has been presenting the Xbox One. I mean, I know their big focus is on making it this all-inclusive, you know, entertainment box, which, you know, I understand why they're doing it. You know, they're trying to, you know, bring in a wider base. But for me, I don't give a You know, I've got, I, am, I hook up my computer to my TV, so I watch Hulu and HBO and all that stuff through my computer, through my internet connection. Um, I think Connect is an absolute piece of garbage. It's just, it's just complete <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I'm saying that. I just realized halfway through that sentence who I'm talking to. No, nope, we're gonna put it, uh, put except it on for Dance Central. Fantastic Dance Central. Which, I'm and not even re- lying. That is the one game I actually like. Re-release DC three. We'll put it on the box. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everyone's entitled to their opinion. No, no problem. You go on. No offense, obviously. But uh, yeah, I just I bought a Connect on day one. I, I like to stay optimistic about hardware and stuff, even if other people are you know kind of down on it. You know, I, I like the idea of Connect quite a bit, and. With the first one, at least, I, I think just kind of the input lag situation and the fact that a lot of people, you know, kind of struggled to make interfaces that worked well. I mean, everything just seemed sluggish. Um, I mean, the only thing I really used it for was, like, you know, if I did a voice command in Mass Effect or something, I'd use it. Like, most Connect exclusive games, I genuinely just really didn't like as much as I wanted to, you know. I wanted to like Gunstringer, but I just the input just was a little laggy to me, and I didn't really like it. Um and so, you know, them putting Connect in the box for the Xbox One is interesting to me. I hope they don't, I hope that doesn't drive up the price too much. But also, I, I watched some tech demonstrations of the new Connect. And as much as I, I am harsh on the first Connect, uh, kind of unapologetically so a lot, um, I do think that the next one looks 
to be a lot better. Like I've seen live demonstrations of it where it does look like the, the lag is kind of taken care of. It does look like it can, you know, it tracks skeletons and stuff. Like I saw one where it can actually kind of tell like the tension you're putting on muscles and stuff. Like it'll glow red if you're putting more <laughs> pressure on it. Like I, I have to admit, I, I was so skeptical going in and I still, you know, have a healthy degree of skepticism. But uh, after the tech demos, I kind of am hoping that Connect 2 or whatever they want to call it is what I was hoping Connect 1 would be. Um, but that said, I, I just think, at least with this last presentation from Microsoft, didn't really excite me. I mean, the games, uh, the lack of games kind of threw me off. Where Sony, you know, I'm not a big Killzone guy or anything, but like at least they were showing games and they were showing like media molecule tech demos and the focus seemed to be more on, you know, they got Jonathan Blow on stage talking about indie games and stuff. Like that's the stuff I want to hear as a gamer. Like I'll yeah. watch Blue on other stuff, that's fine. Um, so I don't know. I mean, but that's just one presentation. I mean, maybe, you know, E3 is going to totally wow me and turn me around and Microsoft will gear their presentation towards, you know, people more like me, like bigger gamers. So I, I'm just kind of keeping an open mind right now, but based on what I've seen, I'm leaning more towards Sony, but I'm going to buy them both. I always do. I'm going to like both of them. You know, I'm, I'm far from a fanboy for any particular system. So, you know, I, I, I want it all to be great. I'd love for Connect to wow me this next generation. I'd love to be, you know, to be on that train where that I wasn't on this generation. So, um, I don't know. It, it's going to be a really interesting show. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think it, it, a lot of it depends on that press conference at E3. I'm, I'm definitely holding out any sort of judgment because they, they made a pretty clear case beforehand that this first one was going to be not focused on games. Um, so I'm sort of okay with what they showed. And actually, there's a whole lot of sports stuff, which I'm personally not into, but I thought the sports stuff was really interesting. Like the idea that you're watching a basketball game and as soon as someone scores a basket, it ties yeah. into your fantasy league is pretty crazy. And like smart glass and stuff. Like I, I am totally on board for smart glass. Yeah. Like I think that's cool. Like I've been watching Game of Thrones on HBO Go, and uh, I, I love because it's such a dense plot and everything. I like being able to pull up like a map and like, oh yeah, so they're here, and oh, it's that guy. Like I think smart glass is awesome. I really want them to push towards that. Yeah, yeah, and I guess yeah on the PS4 side. Uh, I actually missed that conference because I was on a boat somewhere. I was on like a ferry. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, that's right. I was on a ferry going to Key West and I had no internet service. But So I actually missed the conference. So I don't have as much info about that. I haven't like paid super close attention. Um, so I, I'm personally just going to hold out until the conference. Uh, I do think it's smart on both of their parts for differentiating themselves from each other. Like yeah. Sony clearly has already kind of put their flag in the ground on which I think is good for them uh, on being more geared towards the gamers. And I think Microsoft, uh, it's smart for them to, you know, have established that this is an entertainment device. Um, I, we'll see how it actually pans out for either of them, but I think they're both kind of attacking it in different ways. That was a, a good move on both their parts. Yeah. And uh, the thing is when it comes down to it, and this is just kind of a general thought about the industry, there's nothing I hate more than, like, the console fanboy stuff, because yep. it comes down to it, we're gamers, and it turns out Mario Galaxy is an incredible game. turns out Uncharted is a great series, and Halo's great. Like, there's obviously great exclusive stuff on all three consoles. Like, I just don't get it. Like, why wouldn't you want to support all the consoles and the industry as a whole, you know? Definitely. Yeah, that, that I mean, we got, we had a huge bout with that with Rock Band versus Guitar Hero, too. It's just, like, right. people feel the need to take sides when... You don't have to. No. It's kind of kind of self-defeating. Yeah. Uh, on the game front, 
I know you, because of where you work, you probably have an inside peek on a lot of things that we haven't heard about. So obviously you can't tell us about any of that stuff. Right, yet. right. But what, uh, what should we be excited about on the game front for um, E3 that you know of that is not a secret? <laughs> um, personally, uh, the games I'm most excited for are, um, I love, like, you know, I brought up Galaxy a second ago. I am a huge, huge Mario fan my whole life. I mean, that's basically just formed my entire love of the industry. So hearing that Nintendo will be showing off a new 3D Mario uh, makes me very, very excited and also gives me a chance to play my Wii U that I bought at launch. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing where they're going with Mario. Um, I'll see another have a Mario Kart. Uh, Link to the Past is my favorite game of all time, so I'm really looking forward to playing the new one. So, yeah, what's, what's the story with that? Are they, is it just like a relaunch or is it a whole new thing or what? It's, they're kind of calling it a sequel. I mean, they haven't really given it a name yet or anything. Uh, it's set in the world of Link to the Past. So it's kind of like a 3 d version of that kind of art style. Like the enemies kind of look the same as they did in Link to the Past. It sounds, just from the videos they put out, it looks like a lot of cool remix tunes from the first one. Um, I can't tell if it's the exact same overworld or not. It looks very similar. But they have said so the dungeons will be all new. And there's this new mechanic where Link can turn into like a little like crayon drawing and go through the walls and i don't know it, it looks cool to me and you know I'm, I'm just a huge zelda fan and them return to my favorite one my favorite game ever i'm very excited about yeah that was definitely uh my favorite growing up too um definitely my favorite zelda maybe maybe my favorite of that generation wow. all overall still haven't played it sorry guys you've never played it nope. ah, whoa i never had um never had an uh Super snes Nintendo. when i was a kid oh lordy Wow, we should just cancel this right now and take you somewhere. That you can I uh, I bought one of those uh, one of the foolish. What is it? The Retron system, like yep. fifty bucks, and it's got the NES, SNES, and Genesis yep. in there. And uh, bought a Link to the Past. I think on Dan's recommendation, and still haven't played it. <laughs> ah, God! Wow, really? Yep. You should do it. You have nothing. Literally nothing stopping you. I I've got your Tomb Raider that I need that's to play in return wait. to you. <sighs> that'll wait. Yeah. This is like going back and watching Citizen Kane, like. <laughs> It's like, oh, it's an old movie. I don't like old movies. But then you watch it and it's like, I okay. do like old movies. Okay, this was good. This was good. <laughs> so I should watch Citizen Kane is what you're saying. Yep. While okay. you play Super While Kane. I play, okay. Um, <laughs> what, what on the, the non-Nintendo front, Dan? Any, any thoughts? Um, you know, it, it's kind of hard right now because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of stuff they're just kind of keeping close to the vest that they're going to uh, announce at E3. Um, I'm really looking forward to Rayman Legends, which is going to be on basically every system on the planet. Yep. I really liked Rayman Origins, so that'll be great. Um, God, you know, like, again, I, I think a lot of those launch games or launch window things are, are you know, not revealed yet. Right. Um, right. I, I, yeah, I just wrote the, uh, the last cover story for Game Informer about Infamous Second Son, and, uh, man, that, that game looks really cool from what I've seen, and I, I really like the Infamous series, so... Looking forward to seeing some more of that. Uh, maybe get some hands-on or something in D3 if they're going to do that. That'll be great. Yep. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Mostly I, I like getting surprised at these press conferences. So I'm hoping that, you know, I would love for Nintendo to announce like a new 2D Metroid or something. Because I'm playing through Super Metroid now again. And I'm like, oh my god, I would love to play another one of these. Um, other than that, uh, you know, Castlevania. I'm looking forward to the new Lords of Shadow. I love the first one. Um yeah, it's just, I think Nintendo is the one that's kind of come out and said, like, here's what we're going to have, whereas I think with Sony and Microsoft, um, I think we're not going to know until yeah. E3. Yeah, interesting. Well, from what you know, should we be excited? For 
E3? In general, for E3. <laughs> for E3. Yeah, I, you know, I think this is going to be one of the most exciting ones. I mean, I look back at uh, E3 2006 was my first E3 I ever went to, and that was the one where the press got to play, like, you know, the PS3 and the Wii, and they, you know, it had its first presence on the show floor a few months before the systems came out. And it's so exciting. Like, it's so cool to be able to hold that controller for the first time and get your first real taste of the next generation. So, you know, I've gone to, like, eight E3s now, and that's still maybe my favorite because, you know, there's just a, a buzz and an excitement when there's new consoles coming out. And, uh, yeah, like when I was on the infamous cover trip, like holding the, the PS4 controller for the first time, I was like, this is awesome. Like, I, you know, it's like meeting a guy, you know that you're going to be friends for years and years, and this is your first meeting. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to hold this controller for hundreds of hours over the next six, seven, eight years or whatever. Um, it's just, it's, it's a really exciting time, and I'm looking forward to checking out both the new consoles. It's it's really cool hearing you hearing you say things like you like being surprised or that you're trying to approach it with an open mind because it seems like there's been so much backlash in the last couple of weeks of people who have like already decided that they're making their decision right now. Like yeah. they're not going to wait for anything. And, and some of it's kind of like console fanboyish, and, and some of it's like, there's been a weird split between um, like uh, kind of mainstream game developers and indie developers, like based on, you know, speculation about what new consoles are going to have for them. Um, and it's, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like a reasonable thing to do when there's still so much information coming down the pipeline. Well, I just, yeah, you talk about like kind of the negativity and the fanboy stuff and like, I just don't really understand it. Cause I mean, there's so much just uh, vitriol and venom on, uh, on Twitter and comment sections. And right now I think we're at a point in the industry that's more exciting than any I can ever think of. I've been gaming nonstop since the NES and right now, as far as variety, I mean, if you're a casual gamer and you just want to play your Maddens and your GTAs, you can do that. If you're a hardcore gamer, there's a million options for you. You know, there's all sorts of, you know, crazy like PC strategy and MOBA stuff you can do. Uh, you know, if you're like like me, I'm very much like I love uh, the 16-bit era. I'm, I'm a big platformer fan. You look on XBLA or PSN, and there's just a million awesome things that, you know, you look like the Meat Boys or Limbo or Castle Crashers, things like that, where it's like this old-school gameplay and platforming that I just grew up loving, but now it looks and sounds better than ever, and I can play with my friend across the country, and it's just like everything is so awesome right now. And- <laughs> Everyone just is way more of an asshole than they've ever been. Like it's it's kind of like the, the Louis C.K. like everything's amazing and no one's happy thing. Yeah it's, yeah, it's just awesome. Like there's so many awesome games now. Like indie games are so accessible and great now. AAA games are awesome and they look incredible. And like online infrastructure is so cool and it's a real thing now that we've wanted this for generations. Like everything kicks ass right now. I wish. Everyone would just kind of realize that and have fun with goddamn video games. They're fucking games. You know? Yes. Like, Amen. Great. <laughs> that's why i like you dan you i'm friends with a lot of game journalists uh for whatever reason <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> wow. i don't know why but, you do that yeah. but you are one of the few that remains like not you're not at all jaded you're you're still like such a big fan like i think that comes through and i don't know why more i don't know i don't know where it was decided that to be to be professional, you have to be like jaded and negative yeah. about stuff. Like, I don't think that has to be the case. Well, that's the thing. It's like it annoys me enough when a gamer is negative on the industry. I lose my goddamn mind whenever I'm on Twitter and I see someone whose full time job is to play video games <laughs> and write about how fun they are. Like, that is everyone's dream job. I remember sitting on the floor of the grocery store when I was nine and reading EGM and being like, I can't believe people get paid to do this. Like, that's 
the greatest, they must be happy all the time. And then I grow up and I get on tw Twitter and I realize they're the biggest assholes. Like, not everyone, obviously. Like, there are a ton of great journalists and I've got a lot of good friends that have a good perspective on things. No, even but the ones that I love are still assholes. There are a lot, there are a lot of assholes. And like, I just wish everyone would realize this industry is amazing. And if you've got a job where you get to be surrounded by this industry and you're getting paid to play games and stuff, just thank your lucky stars you've got that because you've got a sweet job. Yeah. Well, on the on the swing end of that, like not, it, that's certainly not to say that everything has to be awesome or that you have to like everything. But right, stuff. But if there's a new Ben Stiller movie that comes out, I don't have to go and see it because I don't <laughs> care about Ben Stiller. But right, but right. people aren't able. It seems like people are so passionate about the video games that they love that they can't distance themselves they that can't way. Allow just allow anyone like, else to have a different yeah, opinion. Oh, I don't like yeah. this thing, so I don't have to consume it. It's almost like, well, there's this new game coming out, and I have to get it, but I'm going to hate that yes. I have to get it. Exactly. Well, and then there's just things that don't make any sense. Like, you know, me being a critic, it's I get this all the time to where it's like, somebody will really be looking forward to a game, and then it comes out, and they love the game, and then they look at my review, and I gave it a 8.75 instead of a 10, and I just get the just most hate-filled emails, and it's like, dude, you you love the game. I, that's awesome. I'm glad you love it. Like, maybe I had some complaints with it, but I'm glad you like it. I don't want people to not like games, like, which is funny because whenever, like, I always make a point to respond to people when they email me, and, like, I just respond rationally and, and try to talk to them about it, and it's amazing how quickly uh, people back down. Oh, yeah. Because if they're just yep. throwing out, you know, venom into the ether, you know, they're so quick to say, like, oh, God, you're just this, you know, like, piece of shit. Like, I hope you die. And, like, then I just respond. I'm like, oh, no, yeah, I'm glad you like the game and everything. Or, oh, God, I'm so sorry. You know, I was maybe a little <laughs> yep. out of line when I sent that. Thanks so much for responding to me. I love Game Informer. Like, it's just, yep. you know, when they realize there's an actual human behind it, you know, it's like, yeah. I hope the next phase of the internet is somehow tearing down that wall. So people realize that they are talking to other people. So they stop being so terrible to each other. Well, you kind of see that now with like some companies have tried to institute like real name IDs and stuff. You know, I, I think that's a, a decent step in the right direction. I agree. Well, even as the, the transparency becomes greater, it seems like the vitriol becomes even greater. Like our Facebook yeah. is far and away our most like violent yeah. and disgusting channel of everything that we provide. Like and that's tied to your where people are the most profile, public yeah. and most exposed. Like you'd think it would be, you know, the forums or Twitter where they can at least hide behind something. some guy drops like a racist epithet and you click on him. And you're like, oh, this guy's married and has two kids and yep. lives in Vermont. And why is he saying these <laughs> yeah. things? Yeah, I could, sometimes people I could go to his actual house. Why is he doing this? <laughs> yeah, I can street view his house right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, uh, like I said, your positivity is uh, appreciated, Dan. We need more Dans in the world. Oh, thank you. Um, so I think we're going to wrap up. Uh, any last bits you wanted to get out before we go? Uh, no, I'm just I, I'm super excited about E3. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be seeing you guys there. You know, I'm stuck up here in Minnesota, so I don't get to really socialize with other people in the industry as much as maybe I'd like to, but... Uh, I look forward to seeing you guys and other members of the media and some gamers out there. It's it's always a fun and very busy week. Yeah, E3 in general is another thing, just back on that subject real quick, is like I love getting to go to E3. Like um, PAX, I think, is Aaron's favorite show. Um, but for me, I've always loved, like I still have that excitement that you were talking about of just like being surprised and seeing the new stuff, especially new consoles. I've never gone to an E3 when they've been doing new consoles besides the Wii U, but that's, you know the Wii U. Um, so like, I'm super pumped about just being on the floor and just seeing all these, these like 
ridiculously stupidly expensive booths that people buy uh and just like there's there's a pretty crazy energy and i it's again it's the jadedness thing that i think a lot of people are jaded they especially a lot of people in your profession are like well i gotta walk around all day and talk to people yeah it's It's just shut up people would spend so much to be able to do that people would like inner sweepstakes to get to go to e3 yeah and people do yeah yeah exactly yeah, so I'm I'm personally very excited to see how how the show goes and what we have coming out of it that we don't have going in. And I definitely do hope the consoles get give us a lot more info. Like, hopefully, they've both been paying attention to the discussion online. It's like, yep. like that's the one thing I can say about how awful these discussions are. Like, they do at least bring out a lot of good questions that people have. Yeah. So yep. hopefully, they can address a lot of those. And uh, I think it'll be a good time. It will. All right, Aaron, anything you want to shout out? Everyone should buy Air Force Gator and Air Force Gator 2. Yeah. Available on Amazon. Amazon Amazon.com. Hey, there we go. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Uh, And they should subscribe to Game Informer if they're not. If they're the two people in the country that are not subscribed to Game Informer. (laughs) Yep. And follow Dan on Twitter. Yep. Yep. Uh, Dan Reichert on Twitter. And uh, we also, we've got the digital issue of Game Informer now, which if you haven't seen it, I mean, they're doing some really, really cool stuff with that. So we got digital and obviously the old fashioned print model. What uh, you guys, what's the circulation? You're like the number five circulated magazine in the country or something? Last I looked, I think we're number three. Oh I think God. the only I think the only two that are beating us are uh, two AARP magazines. <laughs> You're I'm not company. kidding at all. I think that's that it. That is insane. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, we got to go. Nice talking to you, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Yeah, anytime. All right, and we'll be back in a couple weeks. uh, Post E three wrap up. Yeah, E three podcast. So that's a one. That's one you should tune into. Secrets are revealed. Yeah, secrets revealed. (laughs) All right, talk to you guys later.